Hallelujah. Yay. Amen. 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 Thanks, Dan. And uh, yeah, thanks to the team for all that you guys are doing. And uh, I, I just know that this is such a, a helpful uh, way of us connecting and being church family. I, I know that it's different and it's difficult and we'd love to all be in the same building together. Um, and yet we can connect through this, uh, through this technology. And so I really am so grateful to the team working uh, behind the scenes and, and putting all of this together. So trust that, uh, that you're, you're blessed by this today. So uh, also just to let you know that the Lord is just doing some profound healings. Uh, just hearing from um, Paul Scott, one of the guys on, on team here with us. And uh, he was just telling us about how he'd uh, injured his foot just about the start of, uh, of lockdown period. And uh, it was just like hugely painful. And a couple of words of knowledge been called out in different times. You know, the online healing rooms or Sunday mornings, that sort of thing. And uh, he responded to that. And uh, this morning he was just rushing upstairs to, to, uh, to grab a, a cable. And uh, when he got to the top of the stairs, he just realized, oh my goodness, I would not have been able to do this a few weeks ago because it was like this needle that had been stuck up into the bottom of his heel. And uh, he'd been in uh, a lot of pain for a long time. And it was just like, uh, again, just aware afresh how, how significant a healing uh, it had been. So uh, I know there have been many other t stories and testimonies, but it was wonderful just to, uh, just to chat with Paul just before we, we went on air this morning. So, you know, the Lord is, is healing and uh, he, He's touching us and He's touching our lives. And, and through, through this time, there's a, there's a reset that's happening. Uh, there's a focus that's coming to us in terms of what our lives are about, what are we giving ourselves to, uh, what's the Lord doing. And remember, we always want to step back and, uh, and see what's the bigger picture in terms of uh, what's happening in the spiritual realms. Remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You know, so when you see anarchy and all these kinds of things breaking out in various parts of the planet, just begin to, to look not just with the eyes of, of the, the natural, but, be, but look and see what is it that the Lord is doing and, and what's the warfare, what's the battle that's actually going on. And remember, whatever the enemy does, God is way bigger and he can actually turn the tables around on the enemy. So what the enemy meant for harm and for evil, the Lord can turn it around and he can use it for good. And, and so with this, this fresh uh, awareness of injustice and racial inequality and, uh, and just downright hatred in, in some places, but the Lord is, is causing a, a fresh tide, a sweeping in of love and of acceptance and of unity. And so we're seeing reconciliation that's taking place in really, really powerful ways. Uh, I saw some... Some photographs, um, some of you um, might have seen these as well. But uh, Lindy Conant, um, she's a very well worshipped leader. A couple of years ago, in fact, it's more than a couple of years now, uh, I had the privilege of being with Sean Foyt and Charles Stock uh, and uh, Lindy, and we were on uh, the, the yacht of... Um, um, Oh my goodness, I suddenly lost it. Iris, 
Mozambique. You can't even shout out from your room. Who am I talking about? Heidi Baker. Thank you for shouting. I heard you. All right. And so we were on Heidi Baker's yacht, and Lindy was on the, on the, uh, uh, the, the time with us there. And um, uh, yeah, so I just uh, was, got to, to meet Lindy all those years ago. And so she's part of a, a group called Circuit Riders, and a number of them went into uh, Minneapolis and to the place where George Floyd was uh, tragically killed. And they went and they did public um, worship and also preaching of the gospel. And, uh, and they, they brought along a portable swimming pool in order to do baptisms because so many people had given their lives to the Lord. They went to go and protest <laughs> and they found their Savior at that very place. And they got water baptized. And I saw some photos of this. I just kind of like, this is absolutely extraordinary that they went out onto the streets to protest and they found peace, uh, eternal peace. Isn't that just phenomenal? Yeah, so I just, I just love what God is doing and the way he's able to turn things around. And so in, in all of this, there, there's the chaos and there's the division and there's all the things that the enemy's trying to do. But God is always way bigger and he's able to turn the, the tide around and turn the tables on the devil. So, um, so there's a reset that's taking place. So I want to talk to you this morning about um, the ultimate reset. And this is a, a reset that takes place in our hearts and in our lives. And uh, you know, we've been celebrating Pentecost and, uh, and, and we don't just want to look back and say, wow, that was great. We had a Sunday and now we can move on. But we actually want to take time to see what it is that the Lord has done, what's the, the significance of it, and make sure that we're getting and we're gathering everything that we can out of this time and out of this season. Because the Lord just doesn't want us to just have a little festival once a year and then just oh, go back to some kind of you know, normal Okay, we keep talking about moving to a new normal. Well, we want to ensure that we're getting the full reset of what the Lord was wanting to do in and through Pentecost. And so uh, there, were, there were prophetic words that the Lord spoke to the prophets um, hundreds of years before Jesus. And they were beginning to declare what was on God's heart and His plan and His purpose for His people. And He, he was speaking to them about the fact that He wanted to institute a new covenant. Okay, And so obviously we think to the, what we call the Last Supper. When, when Jesus celebrated uh, the Passover meal with His, with his twelve uh, disciples, and in that, um, he was saying to them as he took the cup, he said, "This is my blood shed for you, and it's of the new covenant." And so he was bringing in through a blood covenant. He was bringing in the new covenant, and so the new covenant needed to replace the old covenant, which is the law, the law-based covenant. And so people were relating to God on the basis of law. 
But we know that the law was unable to save. That's why they needed atonement. They, they needed the, the sins to be wiped away. But it was prophetically looking to the ultimate sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus, because his blood was the, the absolute um, accepted sacrifice that would wipe away sin forever. So the old covenant was, was law-based and was dealing with the externals. And, um, and we know that Pentecost was the time when the people would celebrate the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And so let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 11 because we see here a glimpse of what the prophet Ezekiel was getting from the Spirit of God in terms of what was God's plan and purpose uh, for, for God's people. And so he prophesied in Ezekiel 11 and verse 19 and said, I will give them an undivided heart and I will put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. They, then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. So uh, a number of things in this passage here, in terms of God saying, I'm going to give you one heart and one mind, instead of having a divided heart, instead of having a heart that goes after idols and uh, does all detestable things. It, you know, they, they, would, they would have some form of worship, but they would incorporate so many other things, and they would, would, would be okay with, with false worship. And God was saying, listen, I'm actually, I don't want you to have a divided heart. I want you to have a heart that is single, that is one, that's undivided, and that is pure and devoted in worship to the true and living God. And then he began to speak and say, listen, I, I, I'm going to put a new spirit in you, and, and I'm gonna, there's a new law that's, that's, that I'm wanting to release to you, um, because you know, what's been happening with the, the old covenant, with the law, uh, hasn't actually t caused a change internally in, in the heart. And so let's move on to Ezekiel 36. And we see the same prophet now just prophesying in a similar way uh, in terms of God's plan and his purpose. And he's saying in Ezekiel 36 verse 25, And I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. So we've got the similar theme coming here. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. See this? New heart, new spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And... I will put my spirit in you. <laughs> Can you see this is prophetically pointing to what God was going to do in and through Pentecost. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. 
I will call for the grain and make it plentiful, and I will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the fields, so that you will no longer suffer disgrace from among the nations because of famine. Ah, I just love this, this passage. Uh, you know, so many people suffering because of COVID and, and all of the difficulties that people are facing um, because of that. And I just love that, that promise. You know, we, we looked in Joel chapter 2, you know, the and afterwards I will pour out. And what was the afterwards? It was after a time of restoration. And so God again promises, and we can see these links, these themes holding together in terms of the outpouring of the Spirit and the favor of God to take care of us and the thing of fruitfulness. Now, of course, we know that the season, the celebration of Pentecost was when they would celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. And so there was the beginning of the harvest and it was recognizing that there was increase, there was fruitfulness, there was the Lord's provision. And, and so we, we know that the Lord is tying these things in together in terms of the outpouring of the Spirit and fruitfulness and harvest. And we know that this is in the spiritual side of things. And there's going to be a massive ingathering of people. Remember that on the actual day of Pentecost, that 3,000 people were, were saved, they were baptized, and they were added into the fellowship of believers just on that one day. I mean, that's a harvest right there. Okay? But there's also the, the sense of increase in, in fruitfulness and his provision. And, uh, and so the, the provision in terms of fruit from trees and crops from the fields. Let's trust the Lord that in this time and the season of Pentecost that we're going to see an increase in terms of revenue streams coming towards us because of the Lord's goodness and kindness and faithfulness. Yeah? So there's an outpouring, and I'm just going to have a little drink to that outpouring. All right. So, so the Lord is releasing favor and blessing in terms of the natural harvest and crops. All right. And again, <laughs> I've just been hearing just wonderful stories, testimonies. Some people have got the biggest contracts they've ever got in their, you know, um, their business, they received it now during this lockdown period. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. True to your word. You said you would do it, and indeed you have done it. And so we see that the Lord increasing in, um, in Ezekiel 36. I'm going to pour out. There's going to be a blessing. There's going to be an increase. There's going to be crops. There's going to be fruitfulness. But he also in that passage there speaks about, I'm going to give you a new spirit, put a, a new heart within you, take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then he also says that my spirit is going to move you to follow my ways, my decrees, my laws. And so there's a moving by the spirit. This is prophesied by Ezekiel as to what Holy Spirit was going to do when Pentecost was fully uh, come. I, I, I just love the Lord speaking, revealing through the prophetic voices in terms of what his plans and purposes have been. All right. So now would you turn with me to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 8. 
and we'll pick it up in verse 8. We'll take it through to verse 12. But here we, uh, we have a, a quote from the book of, of Jeremiah, um, chapter 31. And uh, so um, the, the prophet Jeremiah also, much like the prophet Ezekiel, was prophesying about a new spirit and a new heart. So Hebrews 8 and verse 8. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel And with the house of Judah. And it will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. All right, whoa, pause. This was referencing directly when they came out of Egypt and they went to worship the Lord at Mount Sinai and there was the giving of the law through Moses and the new, that covenant. So the old covenant, that covenant that was instituted, we call it the Mosaic covenant. And so that old covenant came when they came out of Egypt and God gave to them the ten words. Right? We call them the ten commandments. And then around all of that, the, the decrees and the laws in terms of how they should behave with one another, um, towards God, towards foreigners, towards everything that was going to happen as they moved into their inheritance, as they moved into the promised land. Okay, And so the Lord says, listen, I'm going to make a new covenant. It's not going to be like the one that was uh, when you came out of Egypt. And why? Because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord, after that time. And afterwards I'll pour out my spirit. Can you see, we we got some links and some threads that are weaving together beautifully for us here. All right, I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 11. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Wow. This is so, so powerful. Okay. So we see the prophetic words that have come through Ezekiel. And through Jeremiah and the writer to the Hebrews picks up on these things. And he's speaking about the fact that the old covenant is obsolete. It's done away with. It's fading. And now we have a new covenant. And we can step into a new relationship because he's given us um, a a new heart. And so we see that there's this, this correlation between salvation, all right, um, and uh, give, taking out the, the old heart and putting a new heart, putting his spirit within us. So our spirit becomes alive to God the minute we say yes to his saving action. When we say yes to Jesus, I put my faith and trust and belief in you. I, I was dead in my transgressions and in my sin, but now I've become alive to Christ by the power of the spirit. So we understand that that's the new birth. All right, so my spirit comes alive to God. 
So we've got that part, but there's also this thing where we come alive in the Spirit, and then there's the infilling of the Spirit, and then there's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we, we see that God is speaking to us really, really powerfully in terms of what He's wanting to do, and He's what He's wanting to write on the inside of our hearts and on our minds. Now we know that this is super different from the old covenant, which was an external law, versus the new covenant, what we experience post-Pentecost, because God is doing th something on the inside of us, right? Now, the, the old covenant people didn't quite understand what was going on, and so they, they, they tried to... Um, to move towards God and, and the best that they could. And sometimes, you know, it, it ended up in some strange activities. So we see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, where uh, the, Moses is, is uh, saying to the people, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. All right? And that should be super familiar to you. This is like the prayer of, uh, of the Hebrew people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that's such a powerful thing because we don't serve a, uh, uh, a God or who is many gods. We have one God. He's the Lord our God. The Lord is one. So Trinity, three parts, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, but one God. Great theology right here. Then love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Ah, you remember that Jesus underlining that in terms of what's the greatest command, what we should do? Love the Lord your God. Then he goes on and he says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, you're going to bed at night, and when you get up in the morning. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Okay, so what was the point here that um, Moses was trying to get across to the, to the people of God? Uh, this is the communicating what God had given him to, to share with the people. And the point was that it would be close to you, that it would be like it's, it's bound with you. It, it is so part of you, it never leaves you. It doesn't depart from you. It, it's as though it is it's like strapped onto you. So then what the people did was they actually uh, created a, something called uh, the tefillin or otherwise known as a phylactery. And basically they had this custom where they would create a, or they make a small little leather box. And uh, inside this leather box there would be a, a portion of scripture that, that was written on, a, on uh, some parchment. And, uh, and then they would bind this onto, they would have two of them. One would be bound to their, their, their left arm, all right? And so they would tuck it in to the, to, uh, right near the, the, the elbow here, all right? And um, if I can just uh, try and, you know, imagine that it would be, you know, the, the one box would just be here, and then it would be strapped all the way along the forearm, and then would loop around and then around the, the middle finger, and it would create the letter Y, um, you know, for Yahweh. 
and it was tucked in on the, on the left arm um, so that when they crossed over, it was the word was over their heart. All right, so it would be bound on your heart. So it was on the arm, so to speak, or the hand, and they would see the mark of the Y on the, on the hand. All right, so mark on the hand, right? Or alternatively, it would be something that would be put um, in the, the forehead and would be bound around, <clears throat> excuse me, on the head. And so it was a reference to these external laws, and we know, you know, Unfortunately, religion causes people to try and modify their behavior and to comply to external laws. So there's an external and an outward compliance to, to, to the laws and the rules and regulations, even though people's hearts are, are, are far from the Lord. And so we know that Jesus, he, he, for example, he rebuked the Pharisees because they were so taken with these phylacteries or the, the teflon, which is you know, that, that prayer aid. Um, and as though you know, all this external stuff was, was going to work like a magic. You know, it was going to be like, oh, this is going to make you holy. All right, But it was never meant to be something that's external. And it wasn't about, you know, you're going to have this mark uh, on your hand or this mark on your forehead. Sorry, what was that? A mark on the hand and a mark on the forehead. Um, you know, if you look in Exodus 13, uh, it's a similar kind of thing that's happening here. Uh, where we uh, in, in the New Living Translation, it, it speaks about you're going to have like this visible sign, like a mark that's branded, <laughs> branded on your hand or branded on your forehead. Um, and, and so that you, you've got that as a reminder of the Lord and of His ways. So, you know, I just, I just want to say that, you know, so many people get caught up right now in, uh, in all this, you know, end times eschatological stuff and the mark of the beast or whatever. And you know, I, 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 when you get into fear-based things and you try and figure out, you know, is this going to be some kind of a tattoo? Is it going to be a chip implant? Whatever. Remember, John is writing as someone who grew up as a Hebrew with an understanding and a, he grew up in, in, in religious Jewish culture and he knew all about these phylacteries. He knew all about these things that was a mark on the hand and a mark on the forehead. And he said, listen, you're not marked with these things. You're not marked with a phylactery and the beast is not going to come and put a mark on you or on your hand. No, you've been marked by the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed by Him, right? So he, um, Paul writes to the Ephesians in Ephesus, uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, verse 13 and, and 14. He says, now you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked. <laughs> you were marked in Him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. Okay, so folks, don't worry about the mark of the beast. Don't worry about all this stuff. Whenever somebody is trying to use fear, 
to motivate you and a fear of the enemy like the devil is so big. It's kind of like, no, no, we've got a big God and we are motivated by love. Perfect love casts out all fear. As soon as you embrace a theology that motivates you through fear, folks, you're, you're going down a bad, a bad road. All right? We don't, we don't motivate people and we don't motivate ourselves through a theology or a doctrine of fear. All right? We've been mocked. We've been mocked by the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed by Him. Don't worry about the mark of the beast. Just worry about the mark of the Holy Spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord, for Pentecost. Thank you. I already am mocked. I've already got the mark. I've taken the mark of God. I've been sealed. And there's a deposit inside of me guaranteeing my inheritance. I don't need to worry about these other things. I am secure, sealed in him. All right. So, in the new covenant, God is now writing on the inside of us. So we see this thing, that there was this, the, the prophetic words through Ezekiel and through Jeremiah, that, that God was going to give a new covenant, and the writer to the Hebrews picks up on this, right? And he says, hey, I'm going to write on the inside of you the laws that were external, the old covenant, which is fading and passing away because it's obsolete, has been replaced by a better and a superior covenant. In this covenant, he's writing his laws on the inside of us. So not only that, but we don't need some external, uh, an intermediary who's going to you know, show us the way. No, each one of you will know because you've got direct access by the Spirit to God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. And he is going to write his ways on the inside of you. Not only that, but he's going to put a new heart and a new spirit within you. So you, that heart of stone, which is rebellious and wayward, he's going to take that out and he's going to put a new spirit that is soft and tender inside of you. And it's a new one. And by his spirit, he's going to write on the inside. It's not an external thing. You don't need to have some kind of a phylactery, you know, something bound to you on the outside. It's not about external stuff. Now he's writing on the inside of us. And because of the new birth, we have this new heart. Oh my goodness, isn't this phenomenal? Absolutely. It's not, as we are new covenant believers, it's not about trying to live up to an external set of rules and regulations and trying to modify our behavior to that. No, we have the Spirit inside of us and He's going to lead us and guide us into all truth. Isn't that amazing? So let's have a look at Romans 8. And, uh, and we'll see something of this here. He says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sinful offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order 
that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Oh, just let that sink in for a bit. We don't live according to the flesh, but we live according to the Spirit. Oh, therefore there's no more condemnation. Oh, what? We're not condemned to die, and we don't have to live with a heart that is under some kind of accusation or condemnation. Why? Because we've been led by the Spirit. You see, the law was condemning us because we could never live up to the rules and regulations. We could never obtain righteousness through our behavior. Couldn't do it. So God sent Jesus, the Son, who fulfilled and became our righteousness. And he fully met the law. And so now, because Jesus has met the law and he set the standard for righteousness and because we believe in him we now receive his righteousness as though it was our own not only that with this new heart but with the spirit we can live according to the spirit and so the spirit is going to lead us and guide us and ensure that we are able to live a life that pleases God Isn't that amazing? This is just so profound. All right. So if the original celebration of Pentecost was to remember the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, now in the New Testament, the Pentecost that we celebrate is the giving of Holy Spirit who lives inside of us and he leads us in such a way that we can uphold the right ways, righteousness of living, because it's the spirit of the law, and we do it in ways that please God, and it keeps and maintains and sustains us in fellowship with God. So we see in 2 Corinthians 3, um, from verses 1 to 3, that um, Paul's saying, he said, hey, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? No, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So again, we see this concept, okay, it's slightly different application, but we see this concept here of our hearts Um, being written on. And so as the Spirit is leading us, He's writing a letter on our hearts. Now, it's not just that He's writing the laws, the right ways of living according to the kingdom. All right? So we, we don't have an external law. We have the Holy Spirit as though He's writing on the inside of our hearts and of our minds telling us what to do so we know what to do. Why? Because the Spirit is leading us, guiding us each and every day. We know whether something we're doing is good and right, and we know whether it's bad, wrong, stay away from it. 
not because of an external set of rules, but because the Spirit on the inside of us confirms with our spirit, yes, this is good, or no, stay away. And it's that kind of internal writing on our hearts and our minds, it's keeping us, we're keeping the Spirit of the law, the Spirit of God is leading us, we know how to live. It's not external, it's internal. And so there's this renewing that takes place. That's why we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We know what God's will is. If we listen to the Spirit, right, Spirit to Spirit, He's leading us, we know how to live. So there's that writing, if you like, on the inside of our hearts. But now, we, it goes even further than that. Because we now are living a life that is pleasing God, other people are looking at our lives, and it's as though we become a living letter from God to people, and they're actually looking and they're reading and they're seeing God communicating to them through our lives. Isn't this powerful? <laughs> as we yield to the Holy Spirit, as He speaks to us, as He, he shapes our hearts and our minds, so it's, the, it's as though God is writing a love letter on our hearts to people around about us that they might know what God's will is. We become that living letter. This is why Pentecost is just so powerful. Not as a historical once-off event. And not as a, a time to just celebrate once a year. Oh yes, we remember Pentecost Sunday. But it's that we might live a life in an ongoing, continuous way. It's a new way of living. We live out Pentecost on a day-to-day -day basis, showing people how it is that we to live a life led by the Spirit. And as we do so, people are reading our lives and they're seeing God's love demonstrated to us and through us. Because we live by a different spirit. We don't live according to the spirit of this world or the spirit of this age. But we led as sons, daughters of the Most High. We led by the spirit. And so he causes us to be that living letter. Oh, this is just so powerful, so strong in terms of what we call to do. We're not just called to, hey, let's have a Pentecost feeling and let's have goosebumps and, you know, it's just like, oh, have great times. No. It's that we might demonstrate what it is to live a life that pleases God. Not because of an external law, but because of an internal transformation that takes place. A new heart. Put a new spirit within you. Why? That we might live lives that bring Him glory, that honor Him, and as a living letter, others can read and see. We become a testimony of His goodness, His grace, His mercy, His kindness. And we show that, we demonstrate that to others. So let me pray for you now as we bring our time to a close. That you might experience a fresh 
touch of the Spirit today that, that you might actually be posted by God uh, uh, an online post, uh, whatever it might be, but you might be that letter that would be, be an impact to the world around about. So let's pray together. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come. You've come to do so much more than, than just to comfort us. You, you've come to do much more than just to be the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. You, you've come to do m much more even than putting that mark, that seal upon us that, that we are marked by God. You, you've come to cause us to be a living letter. So Holy Spirit, would you write on the inside of us Thank you that we, in, a, in that sense, we don't need others to tell us what to do. No, you yourself, inside of us, by the Spirit, telling us what to do. You're teaching us. You're training us. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've come near to guide us, show us the way. But we ask that this week and all the days of our lives forward from here, Cause us to be that living letter. That people would read our lives. They would see your handwriting. They would see the phrases that come from your very heart, your mouth. That you would pen things in our lives and through our lives. That others would be able to read and they would see the finger of God written on our lives. Lord, cause us to be part of that great fruitfulness and harvest that would take place as a result of Pentecost. That people would see what you're doing in our lives. That you would cause us to be fruitful. You would cause a great harvest to come about in this time and in this season. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask, lead us, and guide us. Where we've been insensitive, where we've been a little hard-hearted, that you would come and you would cause us once again to be tender and soft-hearted. Come and write your love letter on the inside of us. And cause us to be a demonstration to others round about of who you are and what you've done. Thank you, Lord. Even we, we thank you for your provision. We thank you, Lord, for fruitfulness. Even we, we see that link between Pentecost and harvest. We say, Lord, even in the natural realm, cause us again to see a harvest of finances, of resources, a multiplication and an increase. Let that be so for your people as we led, we're guided by you. Cause us, Lord, to be in places that are fertile fields that we might indeed see a, a physical harvest as well. And let your peace just 
flood our hearts right now. Would you calm the raging storm? Speak peace into our hearts and our minds that we might know the Prince of Peace so near us and so close to us in these days. May your name be exalted and glorified. We bless you. We honor you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. So good, so good. Thank you for, for being part of us this morning. I'm going to ask Daryl just to come and share a few, a few words as we close our, our time together this morning. But uh, bless you and until next time. <laughs>